Is it possible to connect with anybody at all and have a conversation that enriches our lives? I'm Andrew Reese, and welcome to the experiment. This is Hello Stranger. Each episode is a conversation, nothing more, nothing less, with someone that is or used to be a stranger. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Nicola, who I met at a personal development event I did back a couple years ago called the Landmark Forum. We got to know each other over a period of months when we basically just randomly bump into each other. He pitched me on a network marketing company at some point, and I said no. And basically, long story short, he ended up getting involved in and playing a massive role in a really cool project I used to lead with a bunch of people called Future You, which was basically a TED-style events company for high school students about designing a meaningful life. Really awesome dude. I really discovered a bunch of things that I didn't know about him before this conversation, which links to this whole idea that it's not just about going out, meeting strangers, and noticing similarity, you know, seeing what we have in common when we're normally so obsessed with differences, but it's also looking at people that we think we know, that we think we just see the same things over and over again, and taking the time to actually connect and see subtle nuances and the depth and beauty inside of them. And yeah, I mean, I saw that in Nicola, and Nicola also mentioned how in this conversation he saw me in a different light than he'd previously seen and realized that I don't actually have it all together all the time like it may have seemed like at some point with future you. So yeah, I mean, I'm so excited to be releasing this conversation. It also opens in a really interesting way with Nicola talking about how he views himself as a narcissist and man, we, we really go deep in this one. The conversation just unfolds so beautifully. So, I'm Andrew Reese. This is Hello Convert. This is Hello Stranger. I'm back. And without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Nicola. Nicola, bro, so good to see you. And uh, welcome to this podcast, whatever it is. Uh, thank you for welcoming me to whatever this is. <laughs> How did you how did you feel when you got the text just out of the blue of me saying, Yeah man, I'm starting this thing. I want you to be on it. Were you surprised? All right. No, I'm a narcissist, so I was like, Yeah, finally, somebody wants to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is I feel like you're half being serious and, and like half joking. I'm being or serious. are you being complete you're being serious. Okay. I'm a I'm a straight up narcissist, so it's like you send me a text. Yeah, of course. I'm an interesting person. Why wouldn't you want to talk to me? Absolutely. Yes. Let's do it now. I haven't I haven't always experienced you like that, though, in the past few years of knowing you. Some of the time, you don't want to talk. You just want other people to do the talking. Oh, right. That's me uh, being diminished, you know? Where it's that thing of like, it's that landmark thing where you're like, if you're fully self-expressed, you act a certain way. When I'm fully self-expressed, you know, I'm a bit... Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm a bit up myself, but uh, yeah, when I'm diminished, I don't want to talk. That's true. Yeah, because I remember, uh, you know, in terms of some future year events, you're like, man, I just love the audio. I love the production side of things. I love running that. And um, I was like, oh, cool. Like that surprises me because I'm very much someone that's like, I want to, I want to get up and talk and like share the vision. And you were like, yeah, oh, the vision's right. okay. But you're like, yeah. I actually really just love checking in on everything, making sure it's oh. running well. No, but see, you don't understand, Andrew. You don't get it. That's way more narcissistic than what you're talking about because 
you know, being in charge of like all the production means you get to tell people what to do. You get to tell everybody what to do. You 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 tell what the you tell the speakers where they're gonna be. You tell them the time. They don't tell you the time. You keep them in check. You keep all of your volunteers in check. You keep all the students in check. You keep everybody in check. Being a production supervisor is the most narcissistic controlling role you can be, and that's where I put myself in. Okay, and that's why you enjoy that kind of thing for the for the attention to be able to talk. Or I think I just like um, managing people. This is something that Aria, who is my mentor now, sort of doesn't. He almost doesn't believe it when I say that. Like, what I really want to do in life is I want to manage people. He sort of almost doesn't believe that. He's like, you sure? It's not like there's something deeper than that. But, uh, you know, for me, it's like I really do like <laughs> telling people what to do. <laughs> yeah, and you do a good job of it. And you pick up on a lot of little details or things that other people may not. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that you're so good at that because it's I'm not as good at that. Yeah. Interesting. So what have you decided on doing now that you have left Future You? Yeah, well, let's go back to that conversation to start off with. So I remember uh, calling you and kind of updating you on my decision because Future You was uh, uh, a couple of years for me and it was my life. Like I lived and breathed. What would you do for the rest of your life if you could do anything, if money, right? Like it just came up with everyone. It was a question I always asked everyone and uh, that's literally who I was, was like, cool. Like there's this thing called future you. And, um, yeah, man, I, when I decided to transition out of being an active director, that was one of the scariest decisions I've ever made in my life. And I know that may surprise you or maybe it doesn't surprise you, but I, it, you know, future was so much fun, man. And like, logically it made so much sense because of the people I was surrounding myself with and, and, and learning so much and growing so much as a person. But when I thought about my life and where I wanted it to head over the next five to 10 years, I really didn't want the next five to 10 years of my life to be focused on, you know, empowering the next generation to create a future that enlivens and fulfills them. I wanted it to be more on some of my passions for uh, connection and community and experiences. Mm. Nice, and man. while I have a closer idea of what that looks like now, it's still not 100% crystal clear. And so I just kind of had to trust that decision and trust myself that that was the right decision. And I remember, uh, I remember, you know, I, I left my house. I was talking to you. I uh, left my house. I just went for a walk. I'm not I moved out. And I'm walking up this kind of hill uh, a little bit close to where we live. And I'm telling you, because you asked me, you were like, okay, cool. You know, what, what are you going to do now? And I shared some of the projects I want to do, including the vision for my US trip where I traveled for three months, relying entirely on the kindness of strangers for food, accommodation, transport. That's um, crazy, but okay. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> totally crazy. And you agreed it was crazy. And I was expecting you to say that, you know, oh man, you'd find it really hard. Uh, you know, but you would, what you said was something along the lines of, yeah, man, I think that you're good at talking to people. I think that you might actually find that really easy. Um, yeah. I like, I'm surprised that you thought it would be hard for yourself. Like, do you, you know, cause it's interesting. Um, the reason we have mentors is because they can see a different perspective, right? They can see you probably better than you can see yourself, right? Because you're looking on the inside and it just amazed me that 
to hear just now, like that you would think it would be hard, like just observing you and the way you interact with people, like just through future you, through landmark, through everything. Um, you know, you're obviously the right kind of person for this thing. Like if anybody's going to be able to pull this off, it's going to be you. Right. So. Hmm. And I do believe that I have a good skill set that lends particularly well to this kind of thing. But then at the same time, some of the, I don't think that means that it'll be really easy. Um, I would love it though, if you could uh, inflate my ego for a moment and uh, <laughs> maybe mention some stuff that maybe I don't see, which is like, what do you think it is about me or the way I communicate or, or the way I interact with people through what you've seen with future you and beyond that you think kind of cross correlates? Like, what am I good at there? It's not the way you communicate, man. It's that you communicate. Cause you're, you're like, you've, you're, you're going for the fundamental thing of communication, you know, which most people shy away from. Right. Um, you're, it's the fact that you actually seek it out and that you've just said that that's your whole purpose. You know, if, if there was anybody who was going to take that kind of project on board and succeed with it, you know, whether it's going to be hard or not, it's going to be somebody who's engaging with a conversation of connection. Right. So, um, you know, as far as the way you talk to people, you know, who knows, I'm not really a good judge, but, um, yeah, you're engaging in that conversation. You know, that's, that's the key. Surely that's, that's what it is. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I find that interesting because so often, you know, when I have conversations with people, the hardest part is just starting the conversation. And then once the conversation starts, it's just like, it's, it's like I kick into this gear and then we're just talking and I'm like, okay, cool. This is fun. Anything can yeah. happen. You nice. Know, like yeah. yesterday, yesterday it was, uh, actually two days ago, I was going for a walk and I saw this really, really friendly guy on the street. And as I walked past him, he asked me, how are you? And I could tell that it wasn't just one of those like, oh, g'day, how are you? But he was actually genuinely interested. And so I waited 30 seconds, doubled back and then uh, kept my social distance and asked him if I could record him for the podcast and told him briefly what it is. And he said, yes. And I thought that was so cool because it's like all it took was actually having the conversation as exactly. opposed to keeping on walking. And it would have been so easy to keep him on. Even when I recorded the first episode of this, I kind of, you know, I was tired that day. I think it was about six or seven days ago. And I thought to myself, oh, maybe I'll just do something else. I don't know if I'm up to it. And then I was like, nah, man, I'm really curious about this. I feel like this would be heaps of fun. Let's just roll with it. And then I did it. And I was like, whoa, that was epic. I wanted to do some more <laughs> yeah. of these. And here we are, right? A couple of days later. So it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think these kinds of uh, introspective conversations are always going to pump up the ego. But uh yeah, it's just, you know, at the same time, it is just reality, you know, like there's certain things that I'm good at that I love hearing about, but, you know, it's just the truth, you know, you're good at communication, I'm good at, uh, you know, annoying people. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I said the whole pump up the ego thing more as a lighthearted thing than than actually, uh, you know, to, to inflate myself, but it's just always interesting hearing about other people and the way they perceive things because, my perception is always going to be limited. Um, so, yeah, man. The memory that popped up uh, is the memory of the first Future You event we did together when you and I just kind of really hustled the day before and we were super sweaty and that guy called Max Ravier randomly showed up and helped us for free. Oh, yeah. I remember that, that surfer awesome. dude. 
Yeah, really awesome, dude. Uh, and then at the end of that, we, uh, I think we got in my car. Maybe you drove your car still. And then we just like went to this Mexican restaurant. Oh, yeah. I think it was That's Mexican. Right. Yeah, and it we was. had food. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, can I the buy a drink card. as Company well? Company credit card. Like, hey, yeah. yeah. I think that was one of the first times, if not the first time, that I've been able to have a meal fr- paid for by a project that I was working on. And, it, you know, I'm sure if we converted it to the uh, hourly rate, that it would be ridiculously low, uh, like a couple cents an hour. But I still find it fun, man. We just finished like a really big day. We're about to pull off this event. And here we are just pulling into this random restaurant and we can just afford to grab some food and grab some drinks. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a taste of the future, right? Because uh, it was kind of unique for me as well. I, I, maybe, you know, maybe I'm a, a little bit ahead of you, like just a tiny bit. So it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty unique and pretty awesome. Um, but it's actually interesting that you bring up future you, right? Because I, um, Arya told me about this exercise that he does every so often. It's a Buddhist, um, exercise where you visualize, um, ditching your, um, commitments, you know? So he visualizes, you know, leaving his wife, um, you know, forgetting his kids, ditching me, uh, you know, ditching all the organizations he works for and everything. Um, and the purpose of that is to see, um, what you could realistically get away from and what you really need to keep in your life. You know, it's like a reaffirmation of what you really want. Um, and I realized like literally two nights ago, or maybe even last night, you know, it was, I was laying in bed thinking about this and I was like, actually, future you isn't what I want either, you know, um, as a sort of long-term career. What I really uh, sort of care about future you is that uh, in my mind, it hasn't hit perfection yet. <clears throat> and I've got this like sunk cost fallacy thing going on. So I want to, I want it to get really good. I want it to become self-sustaining and then I want to get out of there and focus on other things. So I think I'm in the same space as you really. Yeah, I... I can't say that I didn't love the future vision because I love it and it's a big part of what I care about. But the reason why I, you know, started making future you my full-time gig, what my life was about was because I was trying to work on this other business called Virgil, which connected uh, causes to communities and was all about team development, but in a different way and all that kind of thing. Right. And I was helping out with future you on the side as a fun thing because I love the vision, but I was trying to go all in on that. Yet, who I was as a person then, you know, you talk about in reality, like if the reality of it was I wasn't the kind of person that could make something like that happen. And I spoke to Samuel and I asked him for his advice. And Samuel said to me, how about you, uh, you know, go all in on future you and I can mentor you and we can work out how you, you grow something like this and you can learn and develop as a person from that process. And so as I said, yes, and put, you know, that business for Joe indefinitely on hold and then went all in on future. Year. Now, does that mean that I didn't love it? No, I loved it. And it's still one of my favorite questions to ask people is what would you do if you could do anything? What would you do for the rest of your life? If money was no object and it was impossible to fail. And I feel like it's super important. And I felt like the time came where, it was time for me to transition where funnily enough, and this, I, I probably said this to you. I, I definitely said this to Samuel and Aria was for me to live the future. You vision meant that I went after what I really wanted to go after. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. People, their future, you, 
living that future vision is going to mean working on future you. And that's Absolutely. great. And it may very well be, man, that I get to the end of my 20s and I decide that I want to give back more to young people and that that ends up being the focus of my life. And I'm totally cool if that's the case. But for now, I want to want to go and explore more. Yeah. I think that's the right option. I think it's. Uh, I think it would be a little bit silly, maybe even sort of um, self-harming to be- make yourself beholden to an organization that is charitable, but um, not in the way that you um, find meaningful, you know? I think it's far more effective to go after something that you actually care about, um, which is, uh, you know, which is what you're doing, which is what I think I'm doing, so... Yeah, pat pat ourselves on the back, man. I think we're uh, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool for me to see you and your thinking and where you're at, especially given that we haven't touched base as much lately. You know, given we're no longer kind of ongoing team members with Future You anymore. I love the call we had maybe a month or two ago when you were asking me about some stuff, and then you recommended that that book on negotiation, and I just loved. Oh, dude! Yes, yeah. Have you read that? I, well, I read to the, the first audiobook? chapter. Oh, I read the first no. chapter. Andrew, it's such a good book. <laughs> you need to read it. Maybe I'll finish it. Uh, I got a bit bored, but I found some of the concepts really cool. So it's, it's on my list. Listen Maybe to the audiobook. It's not, you, you won't get bored if you listen to the audiobook. Well, I got some more recommendations, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact, like, you would have never recommended books to me two, two to three years ago. Would you? I don't think no. you would have. Probably not because I was a little bit more selfish back then. Um, but look, here's my here's my three recommendations, and I believe I truly, deeply believe that these three things will help you no matter what you do. Like it'll help anybody, right? There's three things that you need. One is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and all that related material about negotiation. Two is um, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller and all of that related uh, marketing stuff. Uh, so the first thing is negotiation. Second thing is marketing, which is ov- so obviously useful. The second thing I mentioned, by the way, is about clarifying your message, getting rid of all the white noise and making the customer, your client, the hero and yourself, the guide instead of the other way around. Uh, and then the third thing is uh, sales, right? And uh, um, yeah, the, the book to read is The Way of the Wolf by Jordan Belfort. So if you read those three things and took on those three like skills, sales, negotiation, and marketing, and I believe that those books truly are the zenith of those three fields, like you could do anything, man, like anybody could. They're so useful. I, I'm really intrigued by the fact that you brought up building a story brand because Samuel asked me a couple months ago if I've heard of the book, and I just said no, <laughs> and, and that was that. <laughs> so. It's great, man. It's it's really amazing. It's kind of like uh, I see myself as a as like a uh, I'm like a preacher without a religion. You know, <laughs> when I find a system I like, I go all in. You know, I think it's amazing, and I I, I preach it just like I would if I was religious. You know, so um, yeah, definitely look into that stuff. What other systems are you preaching at the moment? Well, I'm just going to stick with those three for now because I'm still trying to explore them, especially the marketing stuff, since my uh, business is a marketing business. And I'm like, r- I'm basically restructuring it to fit the uh, story brand 
system because it's just clearly the way to go. Like it's, uh, if you read the book, like you'll get it. It's like, it's so obviously the way that you should do marketing that, uh, you know, um, that's, I'm restructuring everything to fit that. Yeah. How, how is the business going? Are you, do you have clients at this point? Do you have revenue? Are you still in navigation? Where where are you at? It's interesting actually. Like I, I've been, it's interesting how different I am. It's interesting how different people are just full stop. Um, like month on, you know, even a month apart. So like six months ago, I was like, fucked man. Like (laughs) I, I was, um, I was having so much difficulty with, with just everything like with life. Um, but, uh, things are sort of, sort of like, uh, built up lately. So, um, I had a, I had a major client who was a dentist, um, and that was really awesome. And then I got Sam on as a client. So I have kingdom as a client. Um, but then the, because of this coronavirus thing, the client, my, um, my dentist had to say no. So basically my income got cut like, uh, by three quarters or whatever, you know? Uh, but it's interesting because, it's so interesting because using this like story brand thing right now, I can now effectively target the businesses that are booming right now. Like any, like any delivery business, like any uh, restaurant that does delivery or, or takeaway, or like any cleaning service, you know? So um, yeah, despite this, despite the times I'm actually really well positioned, I think. So um, <laughs> yeah, enough about me. <laughs> what about you? What are you even doing now anyway? Yeah, I'm I'm living at home with my family. I'm working three days a week for a social enterprise I love called Digital Storytellers, which is a oh, yes. storytelling That's right. production agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm at the moment the big other thing I'm working on is this project, whatever whatever it becomes. And I'm I'm really loving it. Oh, just having conversations with a diverse range of people. Even a conversation already, it's like uh I did not expect it to go the way that it's gone. And I don't know how I expected it to go, but it's just kind of like awesome that, okay, cool. We're here. That's, that's, this is a fun place to be. So yeah, man, that's my life at the moment. So what's the project? Is that, do you mean this podcast or? Yeah. Oh, there, there's differences and similarities between them. So this podcast, I think takes a lot of the ideas that the U S trip was about. Uh, connecting with people, uh, pulling apart stories, the belief that everyone in the world is interesting if we actually take the time to talk and get to know them as opposed mm. to ignoring them. I and believe that. The street. Yeah, yeah, so do I. <laughs> I guess I'd hope I believed it, <laughs> given I'm doing all this. But uh, True. Yeah. And but then, actually, can I just say something very quickly? Like, It's interesting that you say that because you may very well find at the end of all this that you're wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like you could, you could get to the end of this exercise and find out that actually not everybody's interesting to talk to. Some people are just dead inside. Some people are, uh, you know, empty zombies or, or, uh, you know, just, just, uh, you know, not contributive to the human canon, you know? That's interesting because I feel like you you see like the the super positive outcome of everything, and I always see the negative outcome. Do you know what I mean? Right. But there's a big and important place to be devil's advocate because even with future you, if it was just me leading the conversation, I may not have thought of all the things that could have gone wrong that you brought up, and then we effectively mitigated that and had things run smoothly. Even when shit hit the fan, every single event we threw, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, something. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just so interested to see where this will take you. I can probably f- see that you'll end up at the end of this saying, yep, I knew it. Everybody is super interesting to talk to. But I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, if you said, well, one or two people I talked to weren't that interesting, you know. Some people just don't have a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot in that. And I think it's more of a hypothesis than a fixed statement that I'm set out to prove. And even if it's 80% of people, even if it's 70% of people, I still believe that that matters a lot because it's most, right? It's it's not like, oh man, most people are just living their lives. And uh, so, yeah, like I'm really okay with however it goes. And, you know, maybe it'll lead me down a completely different path entirely. Maybe I'll just find out that I love talking to people and that the vision of what I do doesn't matter and I'll just go become some TV host or something. I feel like that's unlikely, man, but you never know. And I'm open to that. I For me, this is less about you know, the, 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 uh, idea that I have all the answers and now I just need to go out to the world and tell my answers. This is more of a process of discovery and what, yeah, what can I learn? Yeah. And that's yeah, the exciting I think I, I, yeah, it is exciting and I can sort of, um, relate because I'm in that position right now. Cause literally even two years ago, even six months ago, I wasn't, you know, but now I am sort of discovering what the hell's going on. And it's interesting to hear that you're sort of going through the same thing. Uh, it's like we're running this discovery, you know, self-discovery, self-growth thing in parallel, you know, sort of interesting. Walk me through what life was like, what life felt for you six months ago. Um, well, that's an interesting question because it, it sort of didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it was only through conversations with Aria, basically. He, he's pretty much the only reason I'm sort of even cognizant of, of myself, if that makes sense. Um, because I didn't really think about things before, you know, even six months ago, even, you know, even three months ago, like I didn't really think, you know, I didn't really feel, you know, like I just sort of, I sort of like tuned out and um, just didn't bother with uh, processing the complexities of life. It was just sort of just live it, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, yeah, there was no real conscious control and there really isn't any right now, but I'm, I'm at least aware of that. You know, I'm at least aware of the fact that there is no control. So I guess to answer your question, what's the difference? Like the awareness of a lack of control, that's the difference. It's so funny you say that, right? Because the whole future you thing is that the first step is an awareness. And that without awareness, you have nothing. And then once you have awareness, that awareness becomes the least important step. And then it's about what you do with that awareness. Yeah. Well, I think that's just a, that's just like, um, that's just like life, man. It's like, that's what they tell you at Landmark. You know, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like when you, when you can actually see into that blind spot, that's when you have access, right? Would you say that you didn't have that awareness way back over the last few years, including kind of the two big fe- Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had no awareness. Like I was basically like uh, Helen Keller, you know, that's an elab- like, you know, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? Like I was just, I just wasn't really like thinking, you know, I know it's kind of hard to understand what I'm saying, but like, I just didn't think just, you know. Right. But you, you, you know, if we had an issue with uh, AV cable and we needed a speaker moved around, you would think of that. So what, what was it that you weren't thinking about? 
No, that's like that's like automatic stuff. That's like zombie stuff. You know, I, I say a lot of like, um, you know, I, what I say about myself a lot is that I live like a zombie. You know, a lot of the time, and it takes so it takes some time to to think consciously about what I'm doing, because that AV cable stuff. That's just like anybody could. You know, anybody could fix that, like a monkey could. You know what I mean? You could give a monkey a cable, it could plug it back in. You know, that's not living life uh, consciously. Like, I'm talking about sitting down and going, okay, what am I doing right now? You know, what what is happening? You know, what is this experience? What am I aiming towards? And, and just all this sort of um, extra stuff that wasn't going on, you know? It's like AV cables at this level, thinking about life and living it powerfully is, is up here, you know? So hmm. that's the difference. And you, what what I'm hearing is with something like AV cables, you could easily just codify that knowledge and turn it into an instruction manual, and then hand it to someone, and then they could do it. But with how to think about life and how to be conscious and and all that kind of other stuff, you know, sure there may be guiding principles, but it's it it's very different. You you can't just tell someone to do it and then they can do it. Exactly right. That's exactly the point. And by the way, I. Uh, I've always wanted to say this to somebody, but I'll say it to you, right? Like, I'm pretty sure, I'm fairly certain from what I've seen that Buddhist monks, especially Zen Buddhists, have, like, figured it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm fairly certain that they figure out, uh, certainly by the end, how to properly live life, especially the ones who don't stick themselves in the temple, especially the ones who go out into society, you know, because um, their basic tenet you know, what they're all about is it's a conversation, right? It's a dialogue. You know, it's not just a scripture where it's like, you have to do this, 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 and this, and then you, you know, you, you go somewhere, you, you make it. It's more about, hey, let's have a discussion about your way of being, and then we'll go from there. You know, that's what separates Buddhism from other, you know, quote-unquote religions. So, yeah, I think they figured it out, and I think you're right. It's not like a manual. You know, you have to think, you have to discuss, you have to have a dialogue. What does that dialogue look like for you, though? Uh, it's just, uh, you know, what the, like, it's just, it's just the question, like, what the fuck are you doing right now? <laughs> like, it's <was> like, <laughs> Nicola, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What is this? You know, and that could be about anything. It could be like, why are you just sitting and like watching a movie right now? Or why are you working on this piece of work instead of another piece of work? Or it's just a question of like, why? Like, what are you doing and why? You know, that's, that's what's going through my head right now. One of the biggest things I personally learned from Aria was about intention and thinking about what is my intention in this moment or what is my intention in this conversation. And I used to say that so often that still to this day, my younger brother, even last night as I was editing a previous episode, he he knocks on my door and he pops his head in and he's like, are you being intentional? <laughs> because I've just brought up yeah. intention so much. Nice. So was that kind That's of roughly what, yeah. what you're talking I don't think it's yeah. a bad thing either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Although, I, you're, I think you hit the nail on the head. Intentionality. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't have that intentionality, you're just sort of, you're not even really living life. You know what I mean? You're sort of just getting dragged along by the currents um, and not living uh, powerfully. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think you're right. Belief it is flown around by the wind instead of becoming the wind. Yeah, I think so. There's something like that. There are Zen Buddhist sayings like that, but I, I just can't remember them right now. Um, but even thinking about those Zen stories, it starts the conversation. You know, when you hear a 
when you hear a, a, a particularly good Zen Buddhist story, it, it starts to get you thinking and you start to wake up a little bit. Actually, I'll tell you one if you don't mind. Um, Dude, please. Let's see if I can remember it, actually. Uh, this will be very embarrassing if I don't, but I think you'll get the gist even if I get it wrong. <clears throat> so there's a Chinese farmer, and he's uh, living his life. Um, you know, uh, he, uh, he, he has a farm and he has horses. Okay, so one day the uh, horses that he have, they run away. And then the villagers come around and they say to him, well, that's too bad, isn't it? Um, and then he says, maybe. Uh, and then the next day, those horses that ran away, they come back, but they bring 10 new wild horses with them. And then the villagers come around and, and they say to the farmer, well, that's amazing, isn't it? And the farmer says, maybe. All right. And then um, uh, the next day, uh, the farmer's son is riding one of these wild horses and he falls and breaks his leg. And the villagers come around and they say, well, that's too bad, isn't it? And the farmer says, maybe. And then... Um, you know, the next day, the uh, recruitment agent comes by and he's, he's going to conscript all the young men in the town, but he rejects the farmer's son because his leg is broken. And then uh, the villagers come around and they say, well, that's amazing, isn't it? And the farmer says, maybe, right? And the, and the point of this Chinese farmer story is that uh, life is like this integrated process, you know, that, you know, people label certain events as good or bad, but they may not necessarily even be those things. And they may not even necessarily be a good or bad. It could just be this huge integrated up and down wavy thing of life, you know? And isn't that interesting that it, that, that observation can come through this simple little parable, you know? Um, yeah. So, so that's what's been going through my mind lately. Like these little, like little, little weird stories that sort of make you think. Yeah. And I love that story. Uh, you know, it makes me think back to things that in my life, uh, maybe didn't go the way I wanted them to go and how it's so easy to rush to label things as bad. And even in terms of the bio I wrote for the Future You website, it was like the whole reason I was aware that I could build my life around what I love was because I went through a whole bunch of things that most people would consider bad, uh, which led me in a situation where I actually had to think about my life because I couldn't just jump to uni and I'd been through some stuff with my family and all that kind of thing, right? And that doesn't mean it wasn't hard what I went through, but labeling good or bad is, is an incredibly limiting lens through which to see the world. Yeah. And, and you, could al- you could almost argue that it's actually inaccurate. You know, you could say, if you were so inclined, that there really isn't such a thing as good or bad. You know, it's just um, it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's th- that distinction doesn't really make any sense when you when you sort of zoom out and you go you know, because events are like human constructs. This is all, by the way, can I just quickly recommend somebody to you? Uh, there's a Zen Buddhist philosopher, British guy died in the seventies. Um, his name's Alan Watts. Yeah. And if I you listen him. to any of his, Oh, you, you already know him. Yeah. Yeah. Great, I know him. Right? I, He's uh, awesome. When I, when it, <laughs> the first time I ever went back to Canada in 2017, when I was, you know, cause we were supposed to go back there in, I think 2011 and we moved in 2010 and it brought up just heaps of emotions and stuff. I didn't know how to deal with. I used to just lie in bed and just uh, play and repeat different Alan Watts videos. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, how could it not? That guy literally, he's like a walking um, repository of cosmic truth, right? Like every word that comes out of his mouth is just like, like you can see that it's 
it's just clarity in and of itself. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the words he says purposefully make life less confusing uh, in my opinion. Um, and by the way, so you know how we're talking about this like good and bad, like up and down thing, right? I, I personally believe, oh man, my friends hate it when I say this, but I personally believe that it's a good idea to keep people in your life that you despise. <laughs> I think it's okay. a good thing yeah. to have people that you don't like that you can sort of see and that you even hang out with sometimes because you know, it's that thing of like, how could you, how can you properly appreciate the people that you really like if you don't come across people that you just despise, you know, how can you appreciate the good things in life? If you, if you, if you can't like see how horrible the bad stuff is, you know, um, so the whole stoic thing, man, of like, you know, expose yourself to the worst, uh, of what you're really afraid of. And then maybe you realize that it wasn't that bad. Uh, it, it paints in the picture of just how nice it is to have a comfortable bed when you actually, you know, sleep on the floor for a night. I think so. And I've sort of done that with, yeah, I sort of done that this last year and I do that even with gurus. Like, so like in my mind, I've got Aria, right? He's my guru right now. I listen to everything he says, right? Um, and he's like, he's like obviously good, you know, like not in a sort of moralistic um, Christian sense, but he's just obviously clear. Let's say that, right? And then I go, I flip that around and I go, and, I, and sometimes I sit down and I listen to um, lectures by L. Ron Hubbard. Do you know who that is? No. He's the founder of Scientology. Um and he is just full of shit. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's almost uh, entrancing. And I, I love that, I love that uh, contrast because I go from that really sound advice to listening to some just straight up like crazy shit. And it makes that sound advice all the more interesting, you know, and all the more obviously true. Yeah. Dude, it, it's like to take that analogy and to spread it even wider in, in terms of how you, you have two things which may be polar opposites, but you need both to see the full picture. My anthropology professor at McGill used to say this thing about uh, music. And he said when we were studying music that what makes music beautiful is that it has similarities and it has differences. And the beauty is the similarities and differences together. If you just had a song that was the same thing over and over again, it would be boring. If you just had a song that exactly. was completely different, it would be boring. And, you know, to bring it back to some of the stuff I care about, it's like, I feel like that can be applied to humanity. It's like, it's not that we always should look for uh, how am I the same as you? What do I have in common? And it's also not that I should always look at how am I different than you? How are we different? But it's the combination of similarities and differences coming together that are, you know, what makes us as human beings beautiful and, and, and what adds depth and color to the human experience. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree, dude. Like that is what you've just described is the human experience. Um, I have a certain level of um, contempt for this current culture of positivity that seems to be um, flooding the social media right now, right? This, this idea that you should be positive, like, oh, everything's fine. And like, look at all these quotes from The Secret and all these gurus telling you how to be really happy and positive and, and all this sort of stuff. And I think that's such bullshit. <laughs> Life isn't this constant stream of positivity. If it was, it would be meaningless. 
the only reason positivity is nice to feel is because there's also negativity. You know, I think there, I think there's a duality there that you have to experience. And if you try and force yourself to be positive all the time, you're going to end up even more negative than you would have otherwise, because you're, you're going to be able, you're going to have to struggle with that. And you're going to say, Oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be positive? Instead of just accepting that sometimes you're positive and sometimes you're not, you know, Welcome, welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And let's take that TED talk and find out how you composed it. So, uh, I mean, tell me a time of something in the last few months where uh, something happened that you know the gut sense or the or the knee jerk reaction would have been this is bad, and how you kind of felt about that. Um. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got a good one. So just very recently, um, I had a huge fight with my housemate. Actually, let's rewind. I moved out of my mum's place, got myself a place in uh, Padstow, uh, and uh, it's not been great. <laughs> right? Fast forward to three weeks ago, had a huge fight with my housemate, and then he left. Right Now, <clears throat> there's some immediate problems with that. First of all, my rent's doubled. Um uh, my expenses in general double because I have to pay all the electricity, all this sort of stuff on my own. Um, uh, yeah. And, and then I had a fight and just all this sort of negativity surrounded that event. Right. But, you know, allowing that to progress further, I could sort of just immediately see what the upsides were. Right. So now I don't have to live with anybody. I've always wanted that. I always wanted to live by myself. Awesome. Right. Then this coronavirus thing comes around and there's a moratorium on rent. So now I don't have to pay my rent immediately anyway. So that's good. And then even if I did, this fact that my rent has doubled means that I now have to succeed in my business, right? So then, you know, no matter how I look at it, there's just, there's obviously positive outcomes. Do you know what I mean? So this huge fight was terrible in the moment and terrible for like the five days that it sort of dragged on. But after that, it was just all positivity, you know? Um, and then I'm keeping in mind that this positivity will also lead to negativity, you know, and then back and forth and back and forth. So that's where my mind's at right now with these sort of events that are happening in my life. Awesome. Th thanks for sharing that. The thing I would ask is, you know, what would you say to someone that, uh, hears you share everything you just share and then says, oh, well, it just sounds like you decided to look at the positives of it. And that's, that sound, I've read the secret and that sounds like the secret because you look at the positives and now you're focusing on that. Yeah, sure. I would say that the, the, I'm not looking at the positives. I just recognize them that coming up. What I used to do to illustrate this point is that I used to absolutely obsess over the negative. So one of my big problems is productivity, right? Like I'm, I'm not a very, I'm, when I'm productive, I'm like really productive. And then when I'm not, I'm just terrible. You know, it's, it's like weeks off. Um, and I used to obsess over the negative aspect. I used to go, I used to sit down and be like, man, what the hell is wrong with me? And, oh, you know, I'm such an idiot. I'm so lazy and all this sort of stuff. And that added extra conversation, which wasn't even part of the original problem, adds weight, adds stress, and adds so much more uh, negativity to the original negativity. And then it just drags on and on and on, right? What I'm saying is I'm just recognizing that the negativity in and of itself isn't like some horrible thing that I should avoid. Like I should just be in it. I should just experience it. And then after a while, it'll be over, you know? 
And then it's the same for positivity. Like I don't think of positivity right now anyway as some like amazing thing I should strive for. If I'm feeling really positive, I just sit in it, I experience it, and then when it goes away, it goes away. I don't like beat myself up anymore that it's gone away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. The whole time you're saying all this stuff, though, if 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 I'm being honest, like I'm I'm mesmerized and I love it, and uh, it, it's it's so different to the Nicola I knew two years ago. That was like in it, well, he was in it, but then other times he was just like really out of it and um just like wasn't doing much and just like super lazy and not conscious. And it, 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 it seemed to me like you, and I don't say that with any judgment at all, by the way, it, it just seemed to me like you two years ago could have easily read something like the story about the farmer. Right. And it would have just passed through your mind and you would have been like, yeah, that was cool. Like maybe, maybe someone had a meme about it that you would have shared on Facebook and you know what I mean? That would have been it. Yeah. But can I just say that all those negative things that you listed have not gone away. Like, uh, and I have no illusion that they ever will. I'm fairly certain that I'm going to have these um, horrible moments all the time. Um, I just don't add any extra meaning to it. I don't add any significance to the positivity or the negativity because doing either prolongs both. And when you prolong either of those states, the eventual come down or the, or the um, upswing is going to be far more damaging than it would have been otherwise, you know? So, you know, to just give an example, like, you know, if you get, if you discipline yourself for too long, if you stay in the sort of disciplined working super hard state for too long, when you eventually do let yourself go, you're going to go way too hard. You're going to go party. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to eat way too much food. You're going to go into excess, right? And then obviously if you go into too much excess, by the time you get around to the discipline, you're going to discipline yourself too hard, you know, and, and it just is, there's this weird, uh, sort of destabilized fluctuation of positivity and negativity. You know, I think if you just accept what it is, um, you know, it, it's still going to happen, but you're, you're going to, you're going to be better about it. You know, you're going to deal with it better. Yeah. And so you, you're talking about how Arya played a role in this. Uh, I love Arya as well, man. He's such a legend. I feel like I've learned so much from him. Uh, were there any particular things he said or uh, like what stood out? For you, or was it more just who he is and, and that kind of wears off? The second thing, because um, I, I give this analogy of um, because sometimes I sometimes I'm in zombie mode, sometimes I'm not, right? Sometimes I'm thinking and all this sort of stuff. And then he asked me, okay, so what made the difference this time? Like, why are you awake now as opposed to not two days ago, right? And what I say to him is, I liken it to this um, uh, full teacup analogy. You know, when you hold a cup full of tea and you're walking after about seven steps, it spills. So you have to like stop. You have to like modulate the way you walk so that you don't spill the tea, right? That's because the way humans walk after about seven steps, for whatever reason, there's enough oscillations created in the cup that it spills over, right? And that's the way I see um, the sort of anybody's journey of self-discovery, right? Like it's creating those oscillations. And eventually if you create enough oscillations and, and disturb your uh, zombie thoughts enough, eventually you're going to spill over into wakefulness, you know? Eventually you're going to wake up. Um, and it may only be for however long it is. It may only ever be for like three days. But, you know, if you keep doing those oscillations and, and uh, having those conversations, you'll eventually spill over into consciousness again, you know? So... I have no idea what he said to me. I don't have a single fucking clue. Like, 
I don't remember anything Aria has ever said to me, but it's just that it's just that process, you know. It's it's creating that destabilization in my zombie brain, you know. Yeah, if if I'm to put that in my language, it's like when I surround myself with people like Samuel and Aria, or even a bunch of my other friends that you maybe don't know. It's like after having a few of those conversations, they kind of wear off on me, and it has that impact, whether I want it to or not. And ironically enough, the time that I tend to most need to connect with those type of people is the time when I'm like, man, I don't really feel like it right now. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. giving up. I feel like Absolutely. You know, chilling out, not, not doing my projects. But that's the time when you most need it to wear off on you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that's right. So do we just put Arya at the top of the world and then Arya is the equivalent uh, for human beings of what coronavirus is in terms of diseases? And then we just get Arya <laughs> and how he lives to just spread to every single country and then everything's perfect. Well, I've thought about that actually. Um, maybe not Arya In terms of Arya specifically or as in, in terms of some sort no. of like universal answer? I've thought about some universal answer and it's, it's an interesting question because uh, I believe that if you forced everybody to do Landmark, the world would stay exactly the same, right? Because Landmark is like this, if anything, Landmark is like a condensed version of living 60 years as a Buddhist. That's the way I see it. It's like if you had a whole life as a Buddhist and just stuck it down into three and a half days, that's what Landmark is. But the problem with that is it's too intense and it's just too, it's too hardcore. And when you leave, you become hardcore you know, everybody experiences this, by the way. Like, I'm sure you did. I certainly did. After you do the forum, you just you go all in. It's just too much, you know. Um, so that being said, if you put somebody like Arya at the top and, and like, made him tell people how to do things, then, it, you know, it just – it wouldn't change a damn thing, right? What you would need to do, I think, is uh, probably just – you would have to change the education system so it was more about asking questions and answering them. And the other thing, the other thing I think you would do is you would get someone like Arya to read that book, right? Building a story brand, or you get him to learn about sales and marketing because part of the thing that's interested me in entrepreneurship over the years, man, has been the fact that I feel like we could have a super big scientific discovery that has the potential to change a lot of lives. But depending on funding, depending on marketing and sales, it may not actually get out there. And so I feel like the world doesn't, it isn't necessarily lacking solutions, but it's, it's the ability of those solutions to be communicated. So then I'm like, all right, cool. How do I have an impact in my life? Well, yeah, sure. I want to go out and like discover things, but so much of it just becomes about, do I have the skills to communicate? I think that's why I care so much about communication and I've worked so hard on it. Do I have the skills to communicate? And the thing that I, I, I'm more interested in learning now is marketing because I feel like I've really honed in my skill set in terms of one-on-one communication or speaking to a bunch of people in an event or, you know, a small group. But it's like, okay, cool. What does it look like when I'm not physically, you know, I can see the other person or maybe I can just hear them and I'm talking to them, but I'm putting out a post on social media or I'm choosing my words. And I feel like maybe I'm good at choosing words for a vision. But beyond that, it's like, Marketing is this other gap that I have that I want to fill. And, you know, I completely agree with you in terms of, uh, like, marketing and sales being fundamental skill sets for every human being, right? Like, even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, you know, 
you want to you want to go out and get a girlfriend well you, you need to sell yourself and it's like okay <laughs> improve the product like get better yourself but then also how do you communicate how do you position yeah. yourself yeah because they're 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 applicable to anything and negotiation I, I noticed that you very specifically uh didn't say that but you know, if you I lumped it under sales. Yeah. yeah, no, but it's not the same. They're, they're distinctly different. That's why um, I have split them into three categories because they are distinctly different. Um, marketing is about speaking to people who aren't engaged with your brand yet. Sales is about speaking to people who are ready to buy. There's two different conversations. And the negotiation can be applied to literally anything, you know, even getting a new job, um, you know, even uh, raising capital for uh, your new business. You know, it's, it's very important. Um, but I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. So so with this um, story brand thing, uh, I was going to say – I was going to say this after the podcast, but I might as well say it now. Like I would be more than happy to help you story brand this podcast um, because what it's going to do is it's going to help this brand come into better focus, more clear focus than it ever has before. Um, and if you don't do it, you're going to miss out on clarity, you know? Yeah, dude, uh, I'm. I'd love to take you up on that. What? The, l- let me let you in on some behind the scenes details. Then, so the, my game plan is to record the first ten and see what what do I like, what do I not like, what kind of what kind of felt right, and then and not focus on controlling or optimizing or naming or getting it all perfect. And then once I've done the first ten, I'm going to. Uh, the 11th episode, maybe it'll be 12th or 13th, just because of the planning of ones in advance, we'll be uh, chatting with my friend Jordan and chatting about what have I learned through the first 10? What did I love? What did I not love? Uh, what felt really cool and fun at a deep level? And, you know, what conversation, eh, all, all that kind of thing, right? Some process of reflection. And then the question will be like, okay, cool. Where to from here? Now, I... I guarantee that i'm going to continue this in some form just because i'm loving it so much and then it's like okay cool where to from here uh what what point do you think that having a conversation like that would be useful like should i wait till 20 should i start vaguely now but then flesh it out later because this is an Um, ongoing process man i don't know what this is yet fully so i think that you've you've got the right strategy um, going into this discovery phase is fine because even in even in the book they say that your first idea is never going to be the right one. It just isn't right. So um, it's fine to do this. Um, what I would say to, to your question though is that there's no downside to having clarity. Do you know what I mean? Like that you you couldn't possibly have any negative side effect from having this conversation because it's just going to be another tool that you can use to decide what you're going to do in the future, right? You'll have the 10 episodes to decide what you're going to do and you'll have this extra thing as well, you know? Yeah, what I'm hearing from that is that making some decisions or even just looking at it from a vision perspective isn't necessarily going to limit it because it's, it's just a tool that I can, you know, it's like a shirt. I can put it on and take it off. Or you can take it off, exactly. Because by the way, these things, these story brands, these these story brands, they, they are eminently interchangeable and eminently changeable, right? They're not some set in stone kind of like, oh, we did this thing, now you got to do it like this. You know what I mean? It's just a tool um, and you can change the tool anytime you want, um, which is why I'm sort of so preachy about it just because it it just sort of works, you know, like it just works. So, yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> Welcome um, to my TED Talk. <laughs> uh, no, so cool. I, 
I'm learning a lot and I'm really enjoying this conversation. And the, again, you know, I know you say that certain parts of you will, will always be there and they may very well always be there, but it's just been super cool for me seeing how you progressed the last few years and seeing where you're at now in terms of having a business that's actually generating revenue. Uh, and you know, you look at where you were a couple, couple years ago to take one of Arya's sayings, Arya says, you know, you're growing at a rapid rate when you look back over the past three months and your life is unrecognizable and you're like, Whoa, how that's did I get true. here? That's true. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to see where that? you're at, by the way. I do. I do. But I, I feel like that also applies to you, by the way. Like, you, you, you know, probably what I hate about you <laughs> is, sure, the fact that, yeah. is the fact that from my perspective, you seem to be very stable and um, what's the word? Like, like, you know, it's like you're going from A to B. I check up on you halfway through. You're still going A to B. And then I check up on you six months later and you're at B. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, it's, it's been like this weird, like, oh, you know, I go from A to Z and then to one and then two, and then it's back to the alpha sign. And then just like, and then I fucking, you know, my car breaks down and then, you know, it's just, it's just like this mess. But when I look at you, you're just like, you're just going for it. And it seems to be amazing. <laughs> uh, FOMO. <laughs> yeah, dude. And like, there's a few things I could say there, right? Like, you know, one is, I definitely went through a period of time when I knew what A was and I knew what B was and I often got off track. But if I was off track, I was so embarrassed that I was off track that I wouldn't have a conversation with someone, even someone like, like you. Me. Where that I sounds was. like me. So you only hear from me when I'm on the path. You would have only, you know, especially people like Samuel and Arya, because I, I believe that some of those kind of people, you know, uh, people that we can learn a lot from, they want people that take on their advice and learn and, and grow. And I think I was over, you know, overdoing it to some degree where I literally, I could flick a switch and I feel like I could become the most charismatic or one of the most charismatic people in any rooms. I could become the most positive, the most excited. But was that always how I was actually feeling? No. Like, you know, and my life has definitely gone from as, as, you know, I said in the in the closing, uh, my closing video and speechy piece at the last future event, like from A to Z to F to J, like it's totally been nonlinear. Even now, man, you know, I, I I feel like I have my life all sorted, and then I go into future you, and then I'm like, yeah, this was really cool, but like this isn't fully yet. And then it's like, okay, cool, let's go to Canada. A because I want to, B because I need to study uh, for my visa. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, cool. Where to from here? Um, and it's like, oh man, I end up at digital storytellers doing work I love. And I could totally see myself having some form of relationship with digital storytellers 10 years from now because it's epic. Will it be doing sales and writing proposals? Probably not, right? And, you know, I don't even know if it'll be a job or what it'll be, but that's completely fine. And then I have ideas like my US trip and this podcast. I'm totally bouncing around. Do I see underlying themes and in terms of the journey from A to B? Yeah, I totally do, man. Like a few things off the top of my head are how much I love people and connection and conversations, mm -hmm. yep. how much my quality of life isn't just about what I do, but the fact it's the whole way of being stuff. And, and what I want is largely the feeling of being alive, which involves like really confronting myself and going after what scares me. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if I said this is the first one or not, but like I also love relationships and hanging out with people. And then the fourth underlying thing is that 
my level of productivity is generally highly correlated to how addicted I am to instant gratification. I mean, I had a bath this morning to, to warm up after I woke up and I, I flipped it open to actually I think I have it here. I'm, I just have my journal from like 2016, right? I opened it to a random page where I was reflecting and uh, I was talking about my reflection on the week and it was like, I spent this much time on my phone and I know it doesn't make me productive. And yeah, man, I genuinely feel like if you really want to do anything meaningful in your life and, and create something, uh, you know, slowing down enough to allow yourself to be like healthy in terms of dopamine levels, in terms of other things, or to let go of all the sciencey stuff that I maybe know a little bit of, but don't know enough to do it justice. It's like, am I comfortable uh, having a conversation with someone? Am I comfortable sitting down for half an hour to do work? Am I comfortable sitting in a room by myself for 10 minutes? And if I'm not, and if I feel the urge to check Facebook incessantly for no reason, that's going to hold me back big time. And you were talking about how after Landmark, it's easy to go too fast, right? Uh, it's funny because even when I end up in a place like I am now where how I ended up coming up with the idea for this podcast was by deciding to spend 30 days, uh, you know, really reexamining my relationship with technology. And I read a book called Digital Minimalism about this. And the book took three months for me to read because I found it so hard to read a book when I could just hop on YouTube and watch a five-minute video, right? Right, okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man, it's like that all came from slowing down. But, and the big but is that I've enjoyed this so much. I think this is, this is the eighth episode, right? I've enjoyed it so much that I've already noticed myself speeding up now. And I'm not addicted to my phone, but now I'm like, all right, how can I get as many conversations done and do them in the best way possible? And that, again, just like rushing too fast at a landmark can be a problem where it's like, let's slow down. You know, I almost need to be more lazy. And for me, I feel like much of my growth, man, is going to come from finding a way to sustainably operate at a 7 out of 10, as opposed to oscillating between a 4 out of 10 and an 11 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I think I'm actually in the exact same space. Like that, that oscillation that you're talking about is exactly what my life is like. And that's what I'm dealing with. But can I just say quickly that it's so... Um, it's such a relief to hear you talk about this shit because I just, I just assumed that you didn't really deal with any of that. Cause again, you, you're right about that. You know, you, the message that you put out to everybody is like, I'm such a success. I mean, anybody like anybody will only interact with anybody else. If they're in a successful state, you sort of hide yourself when you're, do when you're not doing really well. So just the fact that you're going through that sort of stuff is makes me feel so much better. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's great. It's great that you're on the same sort of discovery um, path that I am as well. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I love it. And it, it brings up the whole future thing of like, it's like seeing yourself in the journey of others, right? It's like, oh, you know, the person that maybe I look up to a bit. I'm not saying you look up to me, but I, I'm saying that it's like, oh, like that person that I thought maybe didn't have this kind of stuff going on actually does. I mean, dude, like I read, I read on Niche today this quote about um, uh, Anne Frank talking about, uh, I think it was an uh, extract from her journal, and it was basically something along the lines of, it's like, who the heck is going to read this because I'm a 12-year-old, and at the same time, it doesn't matter because I just kind of want to write, right? Or the whole Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech story. I've told you that one, right? Um, remind me. 
So largest political rally in American history. He has all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people in front of him and a team of about a dozen advisors behind him, right? This is Martin Luther King, his I have a dream speech, one of the most famous speeches in, uh, in history. And it would go on to have such an impact, not just in America, but in the world, right? Anyway, Martin Luther King is normally really confident and he doesn't normally read the speech that his scriptwriter writes for him. But this time he's kind of looking down a bit. And he's literally just reading the script that had been written for him. And again, he has all these thousands and thousands of people in front of him and a team of advisors behind him. And one advisor, seeing what's going on and seeing how that's not normal for Martin Luther King, turns to another advisor. And she then shouts out, tell them about the dream, Martin, tell them about the dream. At which point he pushes away the paper, stands up. And that's when I have a dream, the speech that would go on to change the course of history really took shape. And if someone like Martin Luther King could go on to change history like that, but had fears and doubts, if a dream that would go on to literally shift so much almost went unspoken because the carrier of that dream had fears and doubts about how it would go and what he would say and was his dream worthy, how much more so, you know, are all of our dreams valid? And are all of our doubts normal? And it's like, okay, cool. Like for me in my life, a big part of the other vision that I haven't really realized, uh, although it's been in the background until bringing up the story with you now is, yeah, man, I want to be a Mahalia Jackson. That was the name of the lady that shouted, tell them about the dream from Martin Luther King's all around the world aside from what the dream is, aside from what that expression is. And maybe it's not about, uh, you know, civil rights. Maybe it's about the environment or maybe it's just about having a happy family. But everyone needs a Mahalia Jackson, man. There's no one that doesn't. True. I mean, that's true. I really love stories like that. It's so, um, yeah, there's just something about finding out that your heroes or even just people that you respect have had those horrible moments of self-doubt and uh, depression and anxiety and all this sort of stuff. Um, there's one that there's one that comes to mind that's maybe not as inspiring as yours, <laughs> but I, I do want to tell you about it because it's it's sort of it's kind of interesting to see the the dichotomy of the states, right? So I'll make this one quick. During the Civil War, there was a a, um, a U.S. general by the name of Sherman, right? He was a Northern general, so the, he was a Yankee, um, and he. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was either just like he, he was just depressed in general or he had a string of defeats or he just didn't think his career was going anywhere. He was going to kill himself, right? He was about to kill himself. Uh, but then he, you know, just sort of came up with this idea of marching his troops through um, the Southern Territory and hitting a port and then, uh, and then uh, you know, leaving that port or, or something. Anyway, he, he planned to march through the enemy territory and absolutely destroy it to, to bring about, um, you know, massive economic hardship in the South so that they could win the war. Um, you know, so he decides not to kill himself. He does this. It becomes Sherman's March to the Ocean, a really famous, really important military victory. Um, he gets lauded. He becomes a hero. He gets medals, lots of money, all this sort of stuff. Um, and it just, it's so interesting to me that somebody who can achieve such glory for his side um, only a month ago could have been thinking about killing himself because he didn't think his career was going anywhere, you know? So it's sort of, I think you're right about needing that type of person to say, hey, actually, you know, 
you do have good ideas, <laughs> or at least this one will work, you know? I think another part of the vision behind this podcast is actually partially that, which is the whole idea of, I would call it something along the lines of like, you know, giving people that little nudge in terms of presencing them to who they are, because it's like everyone has that inside of them. And, and whether you call that uh, potential, whether you call that like the power of the human spirit to triumph over obstacles, whatever language you want to use. Right. And even part of the U S trip for me, man, in terms of connecting with people that were kind was listening to them, hearing their stories, understanding them, and having them realize really how great and powerful they are. Because, dude, like, you know, I even doubt that all the time. Like, as I've done more and more personal development, the thing that um, has come up even recently is, uh, you know, I can so easily view myself as nothing and as horrible and as an intrude, not horrible, but as nothing and as an intrusion on people's time and, and all this kind of stuff, right? When actually it's like, no, like I just love people at a deep level and just want to make a difference. And uh, yeah, man, it's like in line with this whole hypothesis that everyone's interesting. Well, I believe that deep down everyone is and that doesn't mean that everyone's going to express it and be able to express it. It's like, I believe that, you know, deep down as human beings, we care about each other. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be able to experience that care. And that doesn't mean everyone's going to be able to express it. But that also doesn't mean that it's not there in the first place. And uh, yeah, man, it's like, you know, during my time at McGill, when I was having a really hard time, and just when, you know, you talk about the, the teacup and how it kind of spills after a certain period of time, well, the McGill environment of a bunch of people that were just stuck on autopilot and just thought about life differently from me. Nothing wrong with that, but it started to rub off on me and, and I started to slip back into some old thinking patterns and habits and things that I had dealt with years ago. And then I went back home to Toronto uh, or went back to my dad's home and where I grew up in Canada for Christmas, I think it was. Maybe it was sometimes some sort of break period. And I caught up with my friend, Mark Vanderloot, and Mark's one of my best friends that I grew up with in primary school. And Mark, the first thing he said, or one, you know, the, one of the first things we spoke about was all this cool stuff that I did. And he was like, man, how was it, you know, going with uh, Kat Dunn and the crew to India to speak for Muhammad Yunus and getting invited by a Nobel Peace Prize winner to India? And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I guess I, I guess I kind of did that. Like, uh, and yeah, just having someone that reminded me who I was made all the difference cool man that's awesome yeah, man. this um this sounds like uh you've actually i feel like you're getting closer to what this whole thing is going to be because if it is going to be a, a, a sort of service to people with ideas that's pretty amazing like there's a massive amount of value in that um yeah sounds like a good idea what do you mean by a service to people with ideas well, you're saying that you you could actually use this as a platform to nudge people that have ideas but maybe have self-doubts or um, don't really believe in themselves or maybe just have that niggling little thing at the back that's holding them um, from their dream, right? Or did I, <laughs> did I get that wrong? <laughs> no, you totally got that right. And what I would, how I would language it is I'm holding up a mirror that they never had because it's, it's, people themselves, you know, and it, it's not me. All I'm doing is maybe 
trying to uncover some of the stuff. Like it, it's like you have a portrait, beautiful portrait photo in your room. And then over the course of years, it gets covered with dust. What I'm really curious about is can I take any person at all in the world or can I take 80% of people in the world and have a really fun and beautiful conversation where we rub the dust off and see what's, see what portrait is there. And some of the people already know what that portrait is, man. Some of the people do. Other people don't. Both are cool. Both are fun. I won't always succeed in, in that. And, you know, maybe this is only a part of what it's about, but I think you're completely right. And that's why for me, it's about not worrying about too much what this is, because I feel like during this conversation, uh, I've gotten a lot clearer about what it's about. And one of the things that has come up, you know, towards the end of the last few episodes just naturally is just being in awe of who people are, uh, when, when I really get it. And yeah, man, it's pretty special. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. Isn't it interesting that that landmark thing that they said seems to be true in that reality is created through conversation. Isn't that interesting? You know, cause when you first hear it, you sort of don't really, you know, is conversation how you bring things about? It turns out it is, you know, you can't do anything without having some sort of interesting discussion about it, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent, right? It's like, what is there that actually exists outside of language? Well, it's hard to define because we use language to say what there is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we can head in the direction of wrapping up soon, man. But first of all, I'm keen to come back to what we started off with, which is uh, you, you saying that you're a narcissist. And um, I just find that so funny. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what a narcissist is enough to be able to provide a judgment of like, do I think that's true or not? And, and head down that line of thinking. But yeah, man, like, I just love the way you're thinking nowadays. I think it's really cool. And uh, I think it'll be really funny if, if this ends up getting shared and someone listens to the first 15 seconds and they're like, oh, man, this guy's a narcissist. Do I really want to listen? And then you listen on and, and you just find this guy that's just like cares so much at a deep level and is just like really taking himself on and really thinking about life and, and building things and, and um, has a lot of depth. Like, I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, there's this principle in uh, like software and stuff with in terms of the number of bits that you have in an image, which determines the total number of colors that you could have variation, right? Ultimately, the lowest is is black and white, where you only have two colors all the way up to having an infinite number of colors. I feel like the, the number of colors in you, if that makes sense, that, that it, it is a lot more now. Uh, and, and you just have this beautiful depth to you. And uh, yeah, man, it makes me really stoked for you and, and your journey in the next few years. Thanks. I would say the same is true of you. Uh, probably removing the part about it being surprising or different than before. You're still a pretty interesting person um, as from when we last spoke or even, you know, when I saw you stand up for the first time in the landmark forum, you know, um, <clears throat> I'd say you're probably more consistently colorful than I am. But uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty full, pretty, pr- you're pretty full colorful guy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. thanks man uh the way i i, I want to wrap up is by asking you a question and uh i want to do it a little bit differently so i want you to close your eyes okay close your eyes and let whatever air you have out and take a slow breath in for maybe three or four seconds hold it at the top for two seconds roughly and then slowly let it go and keep your eyes closed. Are you about and to I hypnotize want you to me? Let, 
<laughs> that'll be fun. I want you to let go of, you know, the conversation we've had and what we've spoken about and how you thought it would go or how you thought it wouldn't go. And I want you to think of the world a thousand years from now as a blank canvas that, you know, none of the current systems, none of the current processes, none of the current whatever is on it right now, completely blank canvas. And, and your life and how you live your life is the primary thing that puts paint on the canvas. So if you could have the world look anywhere at all a thousand years from now because of how you live your life, what, what comes to mind? And you can open your eyes and I'm just keen for you to share if anything came up. Yeah. Well, I think about this a lot because I'm a narcissist. So <laughs> I would say that if I could paint the canvas anyway, I would have the world be a place where communities were totally and completely integrated in a way that they're not now. You know, people could walk down the street, say hello. They'd know all their neighbors. Um, I'd also have it so that the government, all systems of power are completely accountable. I would have harsher punishments for those at the top than for those at the bottom. I would, uh, I would create a system that actually perpetuates and deals out true justice uh, the way I see it. Um, yeah, and I would just have a world that is more concerned with or that practices generosity more than it does greed. You know, normally when people say their answer to this, I, uh, I ask them a follow-up, but that was beautiful. And let's leave it there, man. <laughs> Nicola, it's been great catching Thanks, up man. and great having you on this. Yeah. If you enjoyed this conversation with Nicola, there's no need to add him on social media. Rather, who in your life is similar to him or maybe very different from him? If you're up for it, it's now your turn to have a conversation. And if you need someone to connect with, head to hellostranger.fm slash connect to get matched with another random listener somewhere in the world. Remember, on the other side of hello, anything is possible. Thanks again for listening. You can subscribe to Hello Stranger on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please take 30 seconds to leave a review. It makes a big difference. You can also stay in the loop on Instagram at Hello Stranger Podcast. One word, no dots or dashes. And with all that said, the next conversation with Bilal is truly something special. I'll see you then.